Welcome to the Cunning Plan Podcast. I'm here today with Lizzie. Hello. And Joe. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about engaging with influencers. These are the people that uh, influence the decisions that we make, help us sell our brands and ultimately uh, increase our reach and get more and more people to, uh, to see the things that we're hoping to uh, try and help our clients uh, sell and promote. So what we thought we'd do today is uh, really sort of try and dive into a little bit more detail uh, about how we can go about getting in touch with these people, how you can find the right people, and ultimately how you can get them to do, do what you want them to do, and, and ideally not always have to pay them. Sometimes you always will have to pay them. But there are plenty of ways to get uh, to get from these people without having to necessarily part with, uh, with the hard-earned cash. So, Lizzie, what's the first uh, the first thing you need to do to try and uh, figure out where to start when it comes to influencer marketing? Uh, so, the first point we have is you need to make sure you're engaging with the correct audience. So, review your own target audience. Um, what are their interests? Who are they looking at? What bloggers would they want to see promoting your product? Um, and that's obviously who you want to be targeting. Um, so your influencers and your target audience need to match up. Um, you need to look at the followers, um, following to like ratio, because a lot of bloggers nowadays buy followers. So if someone has 50,000 followers, they might only have 5,000 followers because they're all just fake accounts, basically. So they're not going to do anything for your brand. Um, you need to get as much information about them as possible. Um, you know, how many posts are they doing? What are the most popular posts? What works well? What media do they use? You know, are they best on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter? Um, and does that match up with the products you're trying to sell? So, yeah, engaging with the correct bloggers. So when you're looking for these people, you're trying to find the right, the right bloggers to, to work with or the right you know, people on social to engage with, how do you kind of start with that? So presumably you're using, you're just doing a Google search to say, talk about the subjects that you're, you're kind of interested in, the products you're talking about, seeing, who's, you know, seeing which sort of blogs come up organically, yeah, organically first. How would you use, say, you know, using Twitter or Instagram or something like that to try and find some of those people? Where would you kind of start with that? I think a lot of it is about very in-depth research. You know, you can't just Google top 10 bloggers and come up with some bloggers that are perfect for your brand. You've got a lot of, do a lot of searching on Instagram. Um, you know, maybe start with the top 10 bloggers and then look at the related bloggers to these guys and sort of get into the depths of the blogging community and then just really delve into each platforms that they've got um, and you'll be able to see who's good for your brand. Research hashtags, um, hashtags that are relative to your brand that they might also be hashtagging. Um, even approaching your customers and asking them what bloggers they're into, if they're into bloggers, um, or what social media platforms that they use the most um, to see where you want to target the bloggers. Yeah, I think also, you know, the key, keyword searching, especially on, on Twitter and Instagram as well, can bring up certain profiles of people who look in specific areas of your brand or product that you're trying to promote. That's always quite a useful useful tool to use. But definitely, I think, you know, dig as deep as you can, as much as your time affords, because I think <clears throat> even if someone's got quite a small following, they've got an engaged user base, you know, they can only have 2,000 followers. It doesn't sound like a lot compared to somebody who's got 25, but 
if they're regularly getting a lot of retweets and engagements or comments or whatever, that's far more influential for whether you're going to choose them or not. Because someone has, as you were saying, you can easily buy 10,000 followers for about 50 quid. It's completely pointless. Um, it just looks impressive, and they're the people that you see at the very beginning of your list. But if you've got the time, you can dig down into it. You can find <coughs> the genuine people who are writing about it properly, and they're always immediately engaged. That'd be far more effective than logically with 2,000 followers. Cheaper as well. I look at your competitors as well. Like, there's nothing wrong with looking at who your competitors are using and approaching them or approaching people that are similar to them. Um, I think that would be helpful. Or like looking at them to see what kind of person you need to be approaching. Yeah, and I guess that the, the more deeply you research it, the more likely you are to hit upon some sort of maybe some hidden gems or some people mm -hmm. that are going to be, you know, those, those, you know, you take people, <coughs> top 10 bloggers to get the most, you know, the, the biggest people on Twitter, you are likely to pay quite a bit of money to yeah. get those people to talk about your product, but, but down below them, there's probably some. Um, yeah, you need to delve into people. the depths of it. Right, so we've found them, we've found an amazing list of. Uh, underrated bloggers that uh, have amazingly engaged audiences or uh, great profiles on uh, on social. What what do I do now? Um, I've got this great product. I've got a load of people I want to talk about it. Where do I start? Um, approaching them, I guess. Um, you want to be as authentic as possible when you're approaching them. Um, a lot of the time, bloggers will have their contact email address on their social media. But, you know, you can send them a direct message on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. Um, but usually I'd say email is the best way to go. Um, some bloggers do use management, management so it's a bit trickier um, through management. But, you know, just be friendly and approachable. Don't have a formatted email that sounds very structured, you know. You, you want to sound professional, but you want to sound friendly and approachable. And you want them to be excited about working with you. Um, Presumably, they've got a management sort of email address. It's a pretty big red flag that they're going to be charging you yeah. some yeah. sort of yeah. fairly decent amount of money to. Uh, yeah, to and, and if be be like transparent as well. You know, if you're you can't afford or you're not prepared to pay for bloggers at this point in the game, um, just don't be afraid to say that in your email. You know, tell them. We, we want to send you this product, um, we don't have a budget for it at the moment, uh, but we'd love to send it to you and see what you think about it. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, there's nothing wrong with that. And oh, they'll, they'll send you back their rates if you do, if you, you are prepared to pay. Okay. What about anything that you can do, Joe, on, um, on social in advance of that approach to try and mm. kind of butter them up a little bit or...? Uh... Yeah, that's exactly it. I think you can butter them up. I think you... You know, you found your bloggers that are naturally going to be the kind of people who are going to be talking about your product or products in and around that area. So you can, for the obvious thing to do is tag them in your posts, encourage them to look at what you're doing, encourage them to look at, you know, your tone of voice and how you're presenting yourself, because logically that blog is also going to marry up in quite a few sections that you do. And I think certainly Twitter and Instagram, you know, putting that at handle in there so they immediately pops up on their feed and they might then leave it for a couple of weeks, just keep handling them and they will start to recognize your stuff and then you can drop in, even the direct message will work. Um, but as Liz was saying, you just need to make it a bit more personal, the message, because we, you know, we all get those emails where it's 
hi, have you seen this? Or, hi, I really like your work. Immediately they'll... Yeah, you don't even read the first sentence and then dismiss it. You'll, yeah, it'll go in the junk box and that's that's it. So you, I'd definitely say I handling them just to get them aware of the product. They, you know, don't expect a response probably. They'll probably just ignore it, but they'll, if you leave for a couple of weeks, they'll, they'll be familiar with it, that your message probably won't come as a bolt out of the blue, which is normally not a great method because they'll, they'll know that you're just after something. Yeah. And, and start with a compliment, you know, if you're approaching them, start with a compliment like, hey, we love your work or we love your content, uh, we think we'd be great working together or something like that. I guess and be quite specific in that respect as well, because yeah, as, as you said, uh, you know, there's emails all the time, that, like, I really read with interest your article about, you know, SEO on your website, um, <laughs> yeah. would you mind putting a link to this web article on there, and it's like, he never read my article on there, like, that's just nonsense, no. but if you say that, I know I really liked your post about, you know, this product or this thing that you did, or, you know, mm-hmm. your photographs and such yeah. and such, then they know it's legit and it's a real, it's a real person sending me a message. And they get it as well, don't they? Like, I think they know that they're getting like the, they're yeah. getting stuff for free. They're talking about that stuff. This is a you know they know there's a kind of there's a symbiotic relationship between yeah. what we do and trying to get people to talk about stuff and what they do, which is talking about stuff. And if we don't all work together on it, then they'll have nothing to talk about and um, and won't make any money as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let let them know that you they're talking to a person and not just a company. Um, but also, like you can be, you can be friendly and approachable, but also include what's expected of them. If you want to work together, what your strategies are going to be, um, you know, set out a structure in that initial email so that they've got all the information that they need to review whether they want to work with you or whether they don't. Okay. And so we'll filter out all the unnecessary second, third, fourth emails. Mm, yeah. So, what sort of things are we looking for in a, you know, in in that? blogger or that influencer that we're going to work with, what um, what should be the things we're asking for, the deliverables, I suppose, when you're, when you're sending stuff out? Well, for me, I, just, I touched on it already, but I think the tone of voice, I think you, you've you got to be careful. You can get any kind of blog with a huge following, but if they don't marry up in the language that they're using, they're immediately going to stand out when you try to share that content, as it's not doesn't quite look right. It doesn't quite marry up with the brand. And it doesn't won't marry up with their audience either. And therefore, any engagement you're hoping to get on the back of it isn't going to happen because you've just not you've not married the two up. So I'd say certainly it's the probably primary thing for me is the tone of voice because that's you're getting them for content. So if you've got like a really sort of jokey, sarcastic blogger, then most of their content is like that. And then if they they they're either going to write something sarcastic about your product, which isn't great, or they're going to suddenly be super positive about your product in which case their audience is going to go promotional posts you yeah. know sounds like nonsense yeah. I, think, like I think you have like everyone's different you have different bloggers who will be very very honest about a product you know if they've got a higher following then they've got more leeway in that they can choose they can choose which brands they want to use um, so I guess smaller bloggers might be a bit more in your favour um, yeah you know you, got, you don't want to you don't want to use a blogger that's going to slate your your product or your company, um, so just make sure that they're opinionated, but they're not. You know, re- review what companies they've worked with in the past and make sure they've not slated anyone that could affect your brand in a bad way. Cool. I was going to say, and there's nothing wrong with 
you know, pushing an opinion out there as well. I think there's always time to ruffle a few feathers quite gently, of course, but nothing wrong with getting someone's attention by, you know, having a, a different opinion to what they've got or having an opinion that they won't agree with uh, or see that they've mentioned recently on, on their timeline something that they are, you know, vehemently agreeing with and you can come in and agree with it as well but it's given that brand recognition that you've got to amplify their stuff, they'll probably appreciate that. So, you know, don't be afraid to be opinionated. It will definitely catch their eye. And it's definitely something something to look at if you're, you know, if you're, you know, low on time, you haven't got time to write all those messages out. It should organically happen that you've got this blogger anyway. And you can just put an opinion out there and hopefully catch their catch their eye. Yeah. Yeah, I guess especially if you've got a product that's a solution to a to a problem. Yeah. And people are talking about that problem you can sort of go out and say, I don't think that's a real problem or something a bit more kind of aggressive and then when they might, if they buy it, you can then yeah. say, well, actually the reason is because we've got this thing or something like that and you might um, you know, grab them at that point. Yeah, change the perspective on something, I guess. And yeah, if you, I guess if you can do that, that's a winner, isn't it? Like, if you can take someone who is absolutely against this particular thing and you convince them that actually, do you know what, I was dead against this, but I gave this thing a try, and I was won over, and that, like, that's absolute goal, isn't it? Exactly, definitely. Okay, so we've got our, uh, we've made our approach to these bloggers. We've made our approach to the bloggers, we've got some good relationships now. Some people have said, yeah, I'm, I'm up for talking about your product, and they're up for receiving it, uh, however, uh, we're gonna sit out. So what we're asking for, that's, that's, that's a really important thing, is what, what do we want them to do when they get our product? Yeah, there's, there's so many different medias that you can use for them to promote your product. So you need to establish whether you want them to post a photo on Instagram in your clothing, whether you want them to make a whole YouTube video about it, whether you want them to write, write a blog post, um, even do a story on Instagram. Um, so you've got to make that clear and get your strategy, strategy very clear. Um, so say you wanted a video um, and you've made this clear to the blogger, you've said in this video I want you to say this, this and this, you know, I want you to cover all these different points. If the blogger then comes back to you um, and you're not 100% happy with the video, I'd say don't be afraid to go back and say this, this is great but we want you to shorten it down or you've not actually covered this point which was on our agreement originally. Um, you know, still keep a good relationship with them and be friendly and approachable, as we talked about at first. But, um, you know, you want to reach your goal and you want to actually get engagement from the post. So don't be afraid to be a little bit strict with them, I guess. I guess especially it's about, if you're paying as well, that makes a big difference. If, you've, yeah. if, you're, yeah. you know, if you're paying to do something, that's one thing. If, you, if they're doing it for free, you're a little bit more beholden to what they end up. What they end up doing. So, so right at the start, I, I know I'm going to work with this blogger. I'm writing a, you know, writing a brief. Presumably, I'm looking at what the blogger is does generally and thinking, right, well, this person's really strong on Instagram, so I want a really good photograph of them using the product or doing something or wearing it or, um, or whatever else. Um, should you be asking for things like, you know, retweets of our own stuff or what? What other sort of things could you be potentially asking for, Joe? I think. It's, it's good to remember that you are now, you are, you know, you've got the blogger in, you are now sort of in control of what 
that content's going to look like now. So that's important to remember is that you you can dictate this a bit more strongly. You've got you've done the hard work. You've got them in. Now you can dictate sort of how things are going to look. But I think the important thing is also you don't want to give them or you don't want to manipulate the content too much. So you end up yeah. your stuff ends up jarring the timeline. Yeah. So you get them in your clothes, and suddenly they change slightly the way they talk or the way you know it's clearly been a, you know a photo shoot or something like that. You don't want it to jar too much I think that's you still want that personality you want that personality you've got them for that reason so you don't want to suddenly you know shove your brand right in there right in their audience's face to be honest you want to keep it you know quite uh, quite tidy if you can because then that's how people start to pick up on it and that's how one looks obvious as, as you said you know people won't be like oh this is a promotional post mm. and they'll suddenly disappear um, I think that's that's for me pretty important because you I, I have in the past also you know, you look at maybe developing a content plan with them as well. That way, they don't feel. Sometimes you can feel like you're micromanaging them. Every post they do, everything like that. You just sort of say, "Here, let's have, let's have, say, if they're really short on Instagram, let's have three Instagram posts. Can you have, you know, let them write them and then give it to you, and then you've got the whole week planned out. You know what hashtags they're going to use. You know what the sh- the image is going to look like and the tone of it. And then on the back of that, you can also ask them to retweet. You can give them your content plan. You said we've got these tweets that relate closely to your audience. Can you retweet this on return and make it reciprocal? Because the relationship should always be reciprocal because mm. you've got them in to promote your stuff. There's also you want to promote other parts of your business as well. Mm. And introducing you know, their followers to that as well is, is pretty important. So I'd always make sure they sort of engage with your stuff as well on the flip side as well. Yeah, and I also think it's super important when you're negotiating any sort of a deal, and it's not it's not just about we're talking here about going out and sending products to people and things like that. But think about events. If you've hired a you know imagine you've hired um, a celebrity to be at an event or something like that, that's the perfect time to start talking about how many times you're going to tweet about that event, how many times you're going to. You know, some of these people have enormous enormous um, social media followings, and I think there's a bit of a sometimes a bit of a thought that oh, I've put this person for the event so they're bound to talk about it but they probably won't because they know that they've monetized every single part of their you know their appearance so it's really important at the start to say if you're going to appear I want you to do you know you'll retweet our event thing three times mm-hmm. you'll post something about it you'll post about it on the day and do all those things and get it written in the contract and have an agreement and I think that's kind of mm-hmm. that's totally acceptable to have that especially especially if you're ultimately if you're paying somebody to do yeah. something you, know, you should never assume that a person's just going to get your product, love it so much, they're just going to non-stop talk about it, because they probably aren't. If they said they're going to do one post, they're going to do one post, and that's probably all they'll do. So it's, it's really important to have that, mm-hmm. have that written down. Yeah, but I think as time goes on as well, um, the more you work with bloggers, the more you build a relationship with different bloggers, the more you'll get to know who likes your product, who likes your company. Um, who reflects it well, and then if you are putting on an event, you know you you just invite a set amount of bloggers. You don't necessarily have to pay them. Yeah. Um. But chances are, if there's a sort of community of bloggers there, they are likely to post about it, even if it's just an Instagram story or like in a YouTube blog, vlog or something like that. Um. So I think as time goes on, the more you work with them, the more free content you get out of them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's what, like Joe was saying, it's a, it's a good idea to plan to work with someone for a longer period of time because you are more yeah. likely to, to develop that conversation to, yeah, to keep it going in. Cool, okay, right. So we've got some good content, we've got that agreed, they've posted the content, um, you know, sales have gone through the roof. 
or have they? I don't know. How we decide whether we, you know, we, we spend a lot of time. So yes, we've talked about trying to get stuff without having to spend a lot of money. But you know, you've probably employed somebody like us to go out there and try and get in touch with these people and try and uh, you know try and get that. Or you've used your own internal resource to get in touch with, with bloggers and people like that. So how are we deciding whether or not this has been a good um, a good use of time, a good uh, return? Um, yeah, so I think it's definitely important to measure how successful uh, the posts uh, or the blogs have been. Um, so, you know, you want to measure how much traffic, say if it's a blog post, you want to measure how much traffic is that post has generated to your website. Um, if it's a post, you want to look at the likes and the shares, um, who's commenting, how much engagement it got overall. Um, keep monitoring that. Um, and then if you're working with a wide range of bloggers, evaluate what's working well, what's not doing as good and don't do that again. Um, so yeah, I think measuring it is definitely important. Yeah, I think it's, you've got to set up the goal that you want the blogger to achieve. Is it to increase your social audience? In which case, that's obviously fairly easy to track, but crucially important because that will be most of their audience hopefully jumping over onto your brand as well. Uh, and therefore, your product tweets or posts, or whatever, will therefore reach the wider audience, more people to the website. Hopefully, ROI, you know, is is all good. But if you're trying to track, you know, if you're trying to get them to promote a certain product, then I suppose you have to put something in place that that measures measures, you know, how many of that product they're they're directly responsible for. You can track their links. You can put little uh, codes on the end of their links, and you can track specifically what links they're promoting and see how many clicks they get and see where those clicks are going on the website and you can directly correlate that with, with what they're doing. I think that's certainly a, quite a, a good way of doing it and also you know, there's no harm in keeping them you know, in the loop of, of what they're doing because I'm sure they, if you've got someone very good on board, they're going to want to be getting a cut of, of some of those sales perhaps, that might be something of the agreement and they'll probably be open to, look this isn't doing very well. Can you do a bit more and they might have to give you a bit extra because they are more personally involved in that product doing really well because they've got their face next to it and they don't want it to, you know, to drop off basically. So I think there are there are several ways you can you can track it, it just depends on what the goal is that you're that you've set them. Yeah. And and obviously you get your get your analytics set up, as you said, get those those codes in there as as events so you know you're gonna track all those people when they come to you, make sure the links on the blogger sites are follow links so you still get the, you get the benefit of it and make sure you get those people coming in. And another good thing I think a lot of people miss out on is with a pretty small amount of budget you can drop um, drop a little bit into remarketing or retargeting and set those ads up in Google because there's a good chance you're going to suddenly get a massive influx of a load of people who will read a blog, click a link, go onto the site but a lot of the time, those people will not buy something there and then. They'll just wander off and go about their business. And unless you've got a pretty aggressive marketing campaign going where they're going to get hit you know, six or seven more times to eventually make them go out and make that purchase, you need to keep hold of those people. And that's, you know, remarketing is you, you hit that, cookie them when they arrive on the site, and then they can get, get stalks around the internet for forever and a day with um, whether it's an offer, whether it's a, you know, some more promotional information about the product, but it's a great way of stopping that person from going away. Because we've all done it, you click on a link, you think, well, that sounds fascinating, and then you go off and do something else, yeah. and you can't remember what that was, and unless it appears in your Facebook feed again at some point later on or something like that, you might never ever find that again. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a good, that's a really good way of kind of 
capturing those leads and trying to do something more with them when they do come in. Yeah, mm. and I suppose being aware of making the post timely as well. So someone's writing a blog for you um, about a competition, you don't want the whole focus to be on that competition because if someone reads that a few months later, that's going to be over. So yeah. you need to be included, be included in things that are irrelevant um, all year round, I guess. Yeah, and that's a, and I think that's a great thing about this, this sort of content is that in theory it lives on you know, it lives on forever, so it's not like taking an ad out. Mm. You get a lot better return, you know, when you spend 500 quid on an ad, or you spend 500 quid on a, you know, on a blog that's going to write a great, engaging post that's got that you know, transparency and that authenticity. That's going to give you a load better value in the, you know, in the long run than, than yeah. dropping it on an ad, I think. Okay, cool. So, we've measured it, it's been successful. Um, what's next? Um, I think maintaining a relationship with the blogger. We've already touched a little bit on that, but that's very important. You know, you don't see it as using a blogger and then just dropping them after they've posted for you. You know, keep a relationship, keep commenting on the stuff on social media. Um, a few months down the line, you might want to use them again. Or, you know, if you build a really good relationship with them, keep inviting them to events, um, keep asking them to review different products that you're bringing out. They could become the face of your brand kind of organically as well. Um, which obviously will benefit you a lot. So I think the more bloggers that you maintain the relationship with, the better, definitely. Mm. Yeah, we've had some great success with that, with people who've come on to do some influencers work with us and they've talked about products about that. And they've actually liked the stuff so much that they've gone on to post on separate forums about it and things like that. I think that's the thing is, you know, it's, it's give and take, you know. Yes, we pay them a bit of money a lot of the time, but then, you know, if you get the right one and the product's right for them, then they'll actually become real evangelists of the product and go off and, you know, and, and hopefully off their own bat talk about, talk about the product. Yeah, like, if it's the birthday or something, you know, maybe send them a little gift or send them a happy birthday message, you know, just let them be aware that you're still there and you're still very interested in them as a blogger. And yeah, yeah. in return be interested in you, hopefully. That's always the plan, I think. There's nothing wrong with giving them little perks as well. If someone's been with you for a number of years, that pressure's clearly working really well, you're clearly very happy with them, they're happy with you, and hopefully everything is, is going as it should. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, you've been with us for two years, you know, thanks so much for your help. You know, if, if you're in a position to give them a little something extra that makes them feel, it sounds cheesy, but makes them feel a bit special, that's, you know, that's kind of what social media is about. It's kind of making people stand out and feel they're sort of connecting with people and if they feel they're connecting with the brand enough to, to be given that kind of personal recognition that's that's a pretty straightforward way of, of keeping them on board and keeping all their opinions on the brand pretty positive and, yeah. and everything that you need really. Very good. Very good. Um, any other sort of closing thoughts, any other um, things that people should be thinking about when we're talking about working with influencers? I think it maybe if you're scared to initially work with influencers or you, you think it might be a little bit of a waste of time, um, obviously everyone has a different budget like we spoke about, but just start with the smaller influencers, just start working with people who aren't going to charge you and then you can see whether it's good for your company, whether it works out well, and then maybe you can evolve and you start using the bigger influencers um, and pay them a little bit. Um, but I'd say just don't, don't be scared to initially approach people. Even if they say no, it's 
like that's the worst they can say, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to echo the same thing. I think for me, it's always if you've never done it before, start small. Mm-hmm. Start with audiences, you know, five thousand, ten thousand or less. You know, start small. As long as they've got decent engagement, you'll see you'll see a return on that, and you'll learn how to communicate and set up, you know, best practice on a small scale, so when you are eventually in a position to go after the bigger accounts, you've got the setup in place. You're ready to hit the ground running. Because it's with those accounts that you're going to really see things start moving. And then if you've got everything in, in place, get them on board, you discuss what you want in return, you get the content plan or whatever it may be in place. And you know, within you know a week or two, you could be, you know, flying out the door with that with that log of, you know, you know, getting great strands, getting great great returns pretty quickly. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, like from a consumer point of view, I I'm always more inclined to buy into a product if I've seen someone else talk about it that I could kind of trust and um, who I think is telling the truth. So I think just putting a face behind your logo definitely helps you. You know, you're saying your brand's great, but can you actually prove it? <laughs> so I think as a consumer, I would definitely be more inclined to buy if someone else was reviewing it and sh- who I trusted and tell me that it's good for the money. Excellent. Exactly. Well, thank you both very much for your insights today. I hope you. you found that uh, useful. Um, lots to go out there, but I think the main thing is, yeah, you, like anybody can do this. You can just get out and, and try it. Try it with a few, you know, try it with a few smaller people first. A lot of research involved, but very effective once you get out there. Yeah, it sounds like that research yeah. bit. That's the key. Is do do some good research, and then you can get you know get quite a long way with not uh, not a huge amount. Well, thank you for uh, for joining us today. Um, uh, if you haven't already checked them out, um, check out our smaller little mini podcasts, What the Fox, uh, where you will, when you've met Lizzie today, if you haven't already met her. Uh, but there's another one where uh, Lizzie tells us about, some, uh, about herself, her life, yep. her history, um, <laughs> and her that. love of McDonald's. <laughs> um, it's just some, that sounds just, like a joke, but it's true. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yeah, and uh, we have another one as well about uh, Nikki, who's also joined us. So, yes. Do check those out. We'll be back again probably next week with another little mini one. And then uh, in a couple of weeks' time, we'll be delving into another, uh, the murky depths of another marketing-based subject. Um, So until then, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. See you later.